0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Trust and Believe. I'm your host Sean T, and I have a co-host here today. Because Y'all missed me. It is a very How you doing? special episode. As you can see, we're in our dad square shirts, and that's because today we are doing an incredible interview that's going to happen in two parts. And I know that so many of you have asked us so many questions about our journey, even though we talk about it all the time about our parenting journey and bringing Silas and Sander into the world. So today we are going to. Talk to our incredible, amazing, angelic, wonderful human Ashley Chastine, who was our surrogate and is still in our lives. Because I think that's one of the first things people ask: is like, is she still in your life? Absolutely. But we're gonna (laughs) have to break this down for you because I know a lot of people, number one, have questions about our journey and emotional questions, and then number two. Next episode, we're really going to talk to Ashley about how to become a surrogate. So make sure you subscribe if you just happen to fall upon this and make sure you definitely put a little, you know, reminder in your calendar for next episode. Anyway, get ready to trust and believe in Dad Squared in our amazing surrogacy journey. Somebody say, hey, yeah. no, no, no. What's up? It's better than Oprah. Come on, y'all! Ashley, what's Ash up? How are you?
1: Good. So,
0: just so everyone knows, we have a great relationship with Ashley. She's been in our lives since the beginning of this whole journey. We want to just kind of tell you guys a story about how she became our surrogate, but you've heard it from us before. We want to hear it from the other I side love that. because you guys know that Scott and I were in a big fight <laughs> in Miami. And I left to go play tennis, and he was there stressed, and we were fighting over this surrogacy journey. We were five years in, we weren't ever to have kids. It was a nightmare. I didn't want to do it. It anymore. was our last chance. We we're waiting to find out information whether or not our surrogate could work. Mm-hmm. And so, you heard our story before. If you didn't, we'll put the link so you can go watch our journey. But, Ashley, we want to hear from your side. When did you first decide that, you know what, I want to be these guys' surrogates? And I think more importantly, what was your kind of opinion of us when you met us? Tell us when you met us for the first time, because we don't really remember meeting you for the first time. Go. Go.
1: I met you the first time when I walked you to your inspiration room, but I didn't even know. Like
0: You, you have to tell people what the inspiration room is. You
1: uh, it's the sperm collection room. So there's a recliner. You've got a TV, a DVD player. You can watch something on your phone, whatever you got to do. You collect your sample and then you take it over to the lab or the andrologist. That's the person who does all of the sperm business. I don't even know where she was or what. Maybe she was backed up or something. But I happened to be rooming patients that day and I didn't know who you were like i remember you were wearing like a black or dark hoodie and you had your hood up
0: i was probably over or cold
1: it wasn't something that i did regularly so i was like here's a room (laughs) oh wait you got to go in this room and you have to go in this room
0: i have to say that was like the interesting part because the first fertility doctor dr betzoffen that we had in new york city we were able to go into the inspiration room together, so it was kind of like we were making babies. But when we came down to Texas, they were like, "You going to that room? You going to that room?" We looked at each other like, "What?" Seeing a couple.
1: There's not enough room. Those rooms are small. But then, you know time went on and while I was at Fort Worth Fertility I started to fall in love with the idea of creating families and so I had brought it up to Michael several times like oh I think I want to be a surrogate and he says he's like no.
0: Michael's her husband for you guys though don't know.
1: Yes and so I just kept bringing it up slowly and slowly well, then I got promoted to third party coordinator and I got to coordinate your donors first and second donation. Um, first donation went well. We didn't have, and, but I had been at Forward Worth Fertility the whole time. Remember I roomed you and it, so I got to watch the process, but I just wasn't hands on. So when I became hands on and was coordinating the egg donor cycle and giving bad news after bad news, whether it was this surrogate isn't going to work out, these embryos aren't great quality, whatever the case may be. And it was just pulling at my heart because here I am. I have these five beautiful children, three that I gave birth to. Like, I I wanted to help that dream become a reality for you. I didn't know it at the time. But when um, I called Sean, so I n- noticed and when he told his story, he got the two backwards. So two mm. days or three days before I called about the embryos, I had just told you guys about Alicia. Mm. The landing didn't grow well. It just wasn't going to work out. So three days later, four days later, when I got to call about the embryos being normal... I was so excited, like, oh my gosh, we have great embryos. And I'm like, they're going to be so excited. And then he answers and he's sad. And he's just like, okay, great. Yeah, that's great. It was
0: me, it was Scott.
1: And I was like, wait a second. Like, I'm telling you, we have 12, 13, however many embryos. And he's sad. And so I asked, "What are you gonna do?" And he's like, "I don't, I don't know what we're gonna do." And the words literally just came out of my mouth. I'll, I'll do it. And Dr. Kaufman is like standing next to me because he was excited. We had such wonderful embryos, and he's like nudging me. And I was like, "I'll do it." And Scott's like, "What? Why?" I'm like, <laughs> "I, I, I want to like, help." He's like, "We don't even know you. Why?" <laughs> but. We did know each other. I was your nurse coordinator and then I was like, wait, maybe I should talk to my husband about this. And then Scott's like, well, maybe should, I'm going to talk to Sean about this and then I'll let you know. And then I went from there.
0: We went into the inspiration room where we had to donate our sperm. Ashley did two um, egg donations from the egg donor. You know, we make all these embryos and we have been through this, what, six times? So yeah we were less excited about ha- having really great embryos cuz we're like we've been here before you know we this is not exciting for us because we had what we were told before incredibly amazing embryos and so two things one is a question and one is a comment. One of the things that you guys don't see
2: right now when Sean's talking is he gets the goosebumps. And so when, when... Don't be
0: telling him my little secret so there's, excitement. There
2: are two times in, in life for Sean that he gets goosebumps. One is if he's on stage and he's, just feeling the workout and the music and the atmosphere about you know helping people change lives and you can see him in the middle of a workout he will get goosebumps on I'm his speaking. arms yeah. or or on his legs when, and that shows to me how crazy excited he is about something and he he's gotten them twice uh during this interview so far so i think that that is i want to share that with you because i think that that's an amazing aspect of it's his tell if you will about how um excited or how um much the story, uh, means to him. Second, Ashley, I want to know. So you, Dr. Kaufman was standing next to you nudging you and you said, I'll do it. What how, Like, did you go home to Michael and say, Hey, I'm going to be a surrogate? Or like, how did that play out?
1: The conversation started with Dr. Kaufman because I was like, do you think I could do it? I've had three C-sections. Like, do you think my OB will approve it? and, You know, all the logistical questions coming from, you know, or me asking an IVF doctor. And he's like, yeah, you can do it. It'll be great. Why don't you go see Dr. Kutzler, see if she would approve you for another C-section based on your prior. And then I went home that night and I was like, what do you think about me being a surrogate? And Michael was like, no. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Because apart going back to working at the clinic, you know, I I was there for every single one of Charlene's transfers. I did, I can't tell you how many of her ultrasounds. I was in the transfer room, you know, for the transfers. I was, like, in the background for so many parts of the journey. Like, it was just pulling at my heart to want to help. And so it took... A date night with Michael, going out and like sitting down and explaining the story to him and just why I felt like I had to do it. And once he saw the passion that I had or the emotion that I had in it, he was totally fine. That's amazing.
0: I, you know, just to let people know when we talk about transfer, if you don't know, a lot of you know, it's just that when They take the embryos that were of quality to be transferred into Charlene, who was one of our surrogates before she attempted to be our, you know, full term surrogate, I should say. Uh, When they transfer the embryos into the uterus, hoping they would stick. The one thing that's incredible about Charlene is, number one, she's amazing and funny and just a beautiful human. But she had given birth to, I don't know, six, eight, eight kids already at that point yeah she had given a birth to eight kids and seven of them via surrogacy so you know without going into her health history it was just a little tough for her to continue with us <laughs> i just remember that conversation in miami i was like wait what like
2: and then telling him "Bayballs, uh ashley wants to be our surrogate he's like ashley like Ashley from the office. Ashley, And I was like, yes. <laughs> and so, so then Michael says, yes. Like, so you. The next steps were talking to doctors. Like, how how did it proceed from there?
1: So it was in February because you guys were having a Super Bowl party. So you wanted to have some time to talk to Sean. And in that in between time, like I kind of typed up or I sent you an email like about our family. You know, just more yeah. about myself and our family, and then I just put a little picture of the family, and then kind of left it and waited for you to tell me what to do next.
0: It's I remember. Crazy. I remember reading that too. I do remember that. I was like.
1: I don't remember that part of how we were like. Yes, we're going to do this. Do you remember?
2: I don't either because I. I was going to say it was probably Sean that did it because.
1: No. Uh, by, no, oh, I never talked to Sean until I was pregnant.
0: The first time I remember oh, talking okay. to you was on my birthday when we found out I was Shut pregnant. Up. So I was the one that had yeah. formed relationships with all of our, all of the surrogates. I mean, Scott had obviously a relationship with Nicole and a relationship with Charlene and a relationship. Oh, Alicia. and Alicia. So, there were three circuits that he had relationships with, but I was the one that was going on this emotional journey because what a lot of people don't really understand is it, even from the inception of, I want to do this for you, it is like you kind of, well, the way we want to do it, we kind of fast track into this full on relationship. And if we had a relationship with you already, you just can become so invested in these people, they become a part of your relationship immediately because we can't carry the kids and we live by the golden rule we are people who are like okay if this person is going to do this amazing thing that brings a life or lives into our lives and this is something that we want they become family right away just by saying i want to do this so throughout the entire process i was the one that was forming the connections with these people. And so when you said you want to do it, I was, you know, I was happy. I was thrilled because you wanted to do it. But I also said to him, I'm not talking to her until like it moves on. Not to be like rude. I mean, I think I said, thank you. I'm I'm sure. But I was like, I'm not, I can't form a relationship with this person until it, it until she's pregnant because yeah. I just can't do it anymore. I, didn't I remember emotional... that
2: conversation and you said, I can't do this anymore. And, uh, if we're going to do this, you have to handle that part of the relationship with the surrogate. And I said, okay, so that that's, I do remember now that I was the one that was chatting with you. And I, I remember having telling you, Ashley, I was like, so Sean, um, is going to be detached from this for a little bit because he cannot get emotionally involved because he's already been emotionally involved in everyone else. And it's been this massive roller coaster ride that no one really can, uh, Understand, except if they're in it. So we say yes, we get the contract done because that's a whole process. You get tested, you get the Psyche Val. Michael gets the Psyche Val. Like this takes time. So in February, um, you know, we say, I think we say yes because it's the Super Bowl or something. Yeah. And then um, so then we get the paperwork done and everything. And then you have to, you do a cycle, right?
1: Yes. So we actually, we're pretty fortunate with you coordinating so many other times prior to me. And that was what I did for a living. We actually yeah. got through those steps like in record time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we were set up for our first transfer like early March. So I cycled in March. Everything started off perfect. I was taking some oral estrogen and I had some mid-cycle bleeding. Who knows what it could have been. I was gonna ovulate or maybe I had a like I missed like there's a window of when you ovulate when your estrogen and progesterone are elevated and I could have between the time that i started anywhere in there but it didn't show on the blood work so we're like i just have this random bleeding so dr k was like just go ahead and insert the tablet vaginally like it'll be fine it'll stop and i'm like the same pill i'm taking by mouth okay fine (laughs) whatever we gotta do so we tried that and it still didn't work and he was like you know what I just really want to start over. Nothing's wrong. Mm -hmm. I know you can do this, but we're going to start over. I'm like, no, I'm the coordinator. I know what to do. Why is this happening to me? Like, how do I have a canceled cycle when I coordinated in my own cycle? Like, the guys are gonna be so upset, like we were looking forward to this and
2: Yeah, I remember because you called and you were so distraught. And and to me it was just like eh, it's
0: just you know, we'll try again next month. And that's you know? why I didn't get involved. Yeah, I just he just told me it was either an email I saw and Scott told me, and it was I had no conversation because if I was a part of that, I would have just been overly stressed. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, continue on so we complete that cycle
2: that didn't happen, well actually happened, but we allow that to play its course. And then we do another cycle the next month and that's the beginning of crazy town, is what I call them. So you get your transfer. When you get the transfer, five days later, five days? Nine Three. days. What? What's five it. days though? Five and no, seven and No, that's embryos. Oh, that's the age days.
1: of the embryos. So my okay. transfer was on Sunday, April 23rd, 2017.
2: So we know because we've done this so many times that we count the days ahead. So that's when we find we do our first test. And while we didn't talk about it, we subconsciously knew that May 2nd was going to be the day that Ashley was going to be tested, which is Sean's birthday. And I thought, fuck, like, how is this possible? (laughs) Like, this is either going to be a really great birthday present or it's going to be like, oh, geez, like we're going to end it on his birthday and kind of. You know, move on with our lives, or trying to figure out, or not even talk about it, or you
0: know, we're going to talk about it, but we're not going to talk about it on his birthday. So, so subconscious. I guess before that, because we we obviously know what happened on my birthday, but how were you nervous? Yeah, because we never really get the surrogates side of
1: things. (laughs) I felt confident that I could get pregnant and carry a pregnancy because I've already proven that. You know, (laughs) at home, not a problem. Okay. But going through it, through IVF is completely different. And the way that your body reacts when you are getting pregnant naturally versus getting pregnant in a lab are completely different.
0: Talk about those differences a little bit.
1: Well, we know what happens in the bedroom. We know (laughs) it takes two to have a baby. Or in a car. No. Wherever, (laughs) your choice. (laughs) But when you're going through IVF, you've got the doctor, you've got the nurse, you've got the embryologist, you've got the surrogate, you've got the egg donor, you've got the parents. Okay, so I'm up to six right there. And that's not to include everyone who did legal contracts, um, your agency, your psychological evaluation. I mean, it takes a lot of people, a village, to have a baby. But for the surrogate, you're taking daily injections in your high knee daily to trick your body into thinking that it's pregnant so that the uterus is receptive when the embryos go in to give them the best chance to implant and you hope for the best. So I knew I took everything, all of my medications correctly. I was doing everything that I could. But once those embryos go in, it's not up to me.
0: It was the first time throughout the process where I really had a higher hopes because I was just kind of like, this is too good. You know, the science is matching up with the health of the surrogate and the age of the surrogate. And so, I mean, I know surrogates can be of many ages. We were on a plane (laughs) and I was talking to a flight attendant and she was like, my daughter, you know, has some sort of um, fertility issues and she doesn't know if she wants to have kids. And she was like, but I don't think I would want to carry for her. And so what are the age ranges of the surrogate? Like what how old or young can a surrogate be?
1: Um, twenty-one to forty is like the recommendations. Um, but I have seen where a mom carries for a daughter and when it's in a, a relationship like that, they there are as long as the mother is healthy and completes all the required screenings and extra testing that needs to be done for in advanced maternal age, those exceptions do happen, but I would say the target is gonna be twenty one to forty years old.
2: So you transfer. Explain how the next nine days go. Like are long. you smelling things? Like is long.
1: <laughs> No, I didn't really feel any different. And I think that was the most concerning part for me is because I wanted to feel something. I wanted to have this cramping that everybody was talking about. I wanted to feel early pregnancy symptoms so that I could have like a little reassurance. I literally felt nothing and it felt like the longest nine days of my life.
0: Tell us about from the time you tested to the time you found out, how long it was, all the way up until y- you calling us.
1: So I got to work that morning. Uh, it was a Tuesday, right? Yeah. I- and I walk in the building. I So my desk is, it has like a little half wall when you walk into like the nursing station. And I remember like tossing my purse over the ledge and like walking into the lab and like, here, here's my arm, take my blood. Not that it mattered if I got my blood taken at 8 a.m. or at 10 a.m. The labs are still going to go out the same time. The results are still going to come back at the same time. But I wanted to be the first one. So I got my (laughs) blood drawn. And I have, like, the doctor portal on my phone or whatever. um, So that as I was working around the clinic, if I needed to look something up, I could. I'm, like, trying to look and see if it's there. And the labs haven't even gone out. Like, I was just so ready to see... (laughs) So it was probably one ish when the results actually resulted. And I was in um, the OR with Dr. K. We were doing some transfers that day. And I got back to my desk and I texted Scott and I was like, call me. Okay.
0: How, how many people did you tell before you told us? Like, how excited? The whole were clinic. You?
1: The whole yeah. clinic.
0: I knew it. And I called Michael
1: and I was like, it worked. I'm really pregnant. It worked. It it worked. And he was like, okay, calm down.
2: (laughs) We love Michael. You saw the numbers and the numbers were, you know, where do do we range? How were you in comparison to what normal numbers are? Like, what were your thoughts?
1: You know, over the years working in fertility, I have really learned there is no such thing as a normal number or a common number. It's more about the trend of the numbers. Um, that's why they check Mm. them nine days after 48 hours later. And then about a week later, um, because the trend of the numbers is what's important, but there are, myths, wives, tales, whatever you want to call them, that the higher the number, the higher your body is producing that HCG pregnancy hormone, and it could indicate a multiple pregnancy. So when I have a patient who's going through IVF and they transfer a single embryo, that first HCG, I would really like to see it somewhere between, I don't know, like 30 and 80, and it was kind of a big range, but somewhere in there, I know that we've got like a good solid number. My first level was like 249. <laughs> and I was That's like, so. this better be two life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs learn more at uh1.com
2: so so you text me i call you back like i mean we have completely described this part of our you know because you know, we love, we love every... I call Ashley dry boots Dry boots, and you know, so tell us, so I answer the phone, how are you, like, what are you thinking? What's going through your mind? Like, you know... Okay, so I have to
1: give you a visual of this day, and so this is my, um, work phone, and it's, like, pulled out from the wall in the middle, like, in front of my computer, and I have you guys on speakerphone, by the way, and I've got one of the nurses at the time was going through her own fertility treatments and we were super close together and so i've got her next to me dr k is behind me <laughs> everybody that you know everybody that could is like oh morgan embryologist she was there so i knew what i, I mean i kind of did it on purpose like i didn't want to like answer the phone like oh my god i'm pregnant like i
2: it just was funny because she's like, Hey guys, and we're like, I was instantly I'm like, in hell, like this she's not pregnant. Like I don't like I don't wanna go through that anymore. And so what are the results? And she says I'm super I'm pregnant. Super pregnant.
0: However, knowing you now, knowing her now, I think when we answered the phone, she would have been like, Sorry guys, I just have to tell you. Like I don't think you would have like had that pause, you know, because you're so direct, but I think Knowing your sarcastic side, of course she did that on purpose. But. <laughs> and then we lost it on So the we had fun. We, we couldn't play tennis for the next 10 minutes. We were so excited. We did a whole... So still, still reserved. Like, you know,
2: we've been down this road before. We had had two or three uh kind of not pregnancy but not pregnancies. Uh so we were like, okay, well, here we go again. Like let's hope for the best.
0: Yeah, so we're reserved. And then I remember us flying to uh, Saint Martin for my birthday. And we I think you just sent a message uh, text messages while we were landing, or something, or we, we had to call you on the plane. While we, yeah, we were on the plane and we yep. had to call or something. And I remember, you know, you saying that the numbers were higher, which we don't have to go into. I kind of want to get to the point where I remember we were leaving St. Martin. We had landed in Miami. We're on the plane flying from Miami to probably Dallas to probably Phoenix, and you sent us the photo of when there were like these two dark holes. Black holes, not outer space black holes, in her (laughs) uterus. So what was your feeling when you did the ultrasound and you realized that there were definitely twins inside of your uterus?
1: Well, I'm a little little bit of a smaller person. Give us your height. 5'2", but 5'3", on a good day.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) But, so, with your history of 11 transfers prior to ours, I wanted to give you guys the best chance that I possibly could. And transferring to embryos is going to increase your chances 10, 15% in overall, you know, in an overall chance of pregnancy. And so I knew I needed a transfer too, but I wasn't 100% confident that both of them would take. Um, so my levels were like 250. Then they went to like, 790 and then like 17,000. Yeah. So that trend it, it's pretty significant. Like I I kind of knew in my heart but seeing it on ultrasound uh just ready to buckle up.
0: <laughs> That's so wild. And then there was the next part of our journey. I remember us, I think we flew to texas for us to hear the heartbeat for the first time had you already pre-listened for the heartbeat before we got there so you like or did you wait for
1: (laughs) i was not gonna have you come all the way to texas for the first ultrasound to be not good yeah i I couldn't have done it i i couldn't so i might have Took a little sneak peek and just made sure everything was fine so that that day could be extra special for you.
0: We heard the heartbeat. We are all excited. We're building our relationship, you know, me and Ashley. Yes, very true. (laughs) Because now Ashley's my best friend. Yep. One of the questions that I've always wanted to ask you, and this may be a longer answer, how are we as intended parents? Because I know when we first started this journey before we got to Fort Worth Fertility, Our first doctor, Dr. Betsoffin, had told us about there was a family in the United States and their surrogate was in the UK or vice versa. They never met the surrogate. They never spoke to their surrogate. It was all transactional. It was all on contract and paper. And the baby was flown to them, delivered, and that's it. And they never spoke to her. So I just always wanted to know, you know, how were we... As intended parents, you know, if there were moments where of your frustration, like we're open to that too. But we just I just kinda wanna know for people out there to hear from a surrogate's perspective, like these are the do's and don'ts, or this is this is what Scott and Sean did, good or bad. <laughs>
1: The only comparison that I have or had was what my surrogates had shared with me. So I had seen the worst of the worst and I have watched these beautiful journeys that blossomed into forever friends and family grow. And so I... Was a little hesitant at first because I thought if I was going to do this that I really wanted to have the parents be very hands-on and part of the pregnancy and go on this journey with me. And so in the beginning when Scott was like, look, Sean doesn't want to do any of this until like we know this is for sure. And knowing everything you've gone through, like I, I have to respect that. But then Scott and I had such a good relationship and it was easy to talk to him I was the coordinator so I knew a lot of the steps all of the steps like I knew what to do on that side of it and Scott knew the other side not necessarily being a surrogate but you know he had gone through with so many other women that he knew all the steps to take and so the process was so smooth and then once I was pregnant I mean it was perfect I don't have any there was nothing that didn't go well or that I wish that would have gone different I mean it was an incredible journey I don't think I could ever do another one because that one was so perfect I want that to be my memory and how I am able to support other women going through this process.
0: Oh, we got an A+. Yay! We'll give you an A+, too. Yes. So I think just really fast to kind of close out this section. First of all, we obviously thank you all the time. For me, the the most amazing highlights of the journey, I have like, I think, three. One was surprising our parents and our family and friends in Seattle. Like, and I remember Michael coming and I was really... See, I'm getting the chills again. Mm -hmm. I'm really nervous that I was really nervous that Michael was coming because I'm just like, oh, my gosh, because if you look at her husband like you think you would walk down the street and even me as a, you know, pretty strong big guy. I'd be like, I don't know if I want to cross the street or not (laughs) on this one, but he is like the biggest teddy bear teddy bear. And I just remember when so I just kind of want to set this up for everyone. Basically, what happened was we had we were at Scott's parents house in seattle my brother was in on the surprise and flew my mom out and she thought she was just flying to seattle to have to come out with the rest of the family and they we were just gonna have a weekend so my mom and my brother and his parents we were just all in the house and we were just planning for this kind of cookout day. and they thought it was because they're they had just renovated newly renovated their house and they thought this was a surprise housewarming party for them so basically <laughs> every two minutes we had we had a whole bunch of people flying to seattle and they'd and we rented a Sprinter van and, and cars and stuff. And so people would just show up and ring the doorbell every two minutes. And his parents and my mom, they were just kind of like, what's going on? <laughs> just like... So then it became, and everyone was wearing blue and blue. white. Yeah. Just They had to wear some sort of blue, blue, white, and black and stuff. And so then we call everyone downstairs and we we had shot this film and our friend Todd edited it and it was just like really great. And so at the very end of the film... It cuts off and Ashley and her husband, we showed it in the basement and then Ashley walks up and everyone was crying. That was that was the first incredible moment. Any you have any reflections on that, Ashley, before I continue?
1: Yes. (laughs) I. That was pretty cool and I'm like hiding on the stairs like halfway the stairs go down and then kind of curved a little bit so there was like a platform and um that video you shared on Father's Day that TikTok where I'm like standing on the platform like watching I mean I was watching the video like crying my eyes out but like <laughs> I couldn't make a sound I couldn't sniffle had to be super quiet but it was it was an amazing experience. To watch it and then to be there to meet everybody at the same time. Yeah, because yeah, at that time, that deal. was the
0: first time you saw our complete journey because we started documenting this when we first began. So it was it was kind of amazing for you to see. Also, you were, I think, just hitting almost at nineteen weeks pregnant and you looked like you were like already like twenty five weeks <laughs> pregnant. So that was really funny. And that weekend was really fun because then we were able to get their 3D ultrasound, get to see their faces and we were all, we were picking, we were figuring out who made which face. Yeah. yeah. The second thing was our baby shower that was really cool because our friend uh put it together and i thought that was really fun we don't have to talk about that but that's when we revealed it to but can we talk about that uh
1: flash mob we did in the backyard
0: yes i was gonna say i remember ashley dancing oh yeah we did do the flash mob. i totally forgot and you were like not
1: down with that at first (laughs) i was not i mean i love that memory now and to have it but Yeah, when she was teaching me in what was your dance studio, a.k.a. playroom, or well, that was now was a playroom, hiding out in there teaching me the dance. I was like, I am not doing this. Like, I'm as big (laughs) as a house. I don't move like that. (laughs) But it worked out perfect.
0: You were 28 weeks maybe at that point? Something like that.
1: It was before 30 weeks because they let me fly. I remember that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Moving on. So like for me, the next thing was the I don't know why this is a really fond memory. I just remember you getting to the point where you were like trying not to complain of how much pain you were in. You were like, my back is hurting and I, I feel so bad. So I'm just like, I have my phone on all night long because I don't know when you're going to text me. You, I think you had gotten a recliner and you were just miserable. It was like, you know, those TikToks where they say, how do you say you're miserable without saying you're miserable? I wish I just would have had a camera on you, like getting in and out of your recliner at night. Because Ashley is very petite and she was her stomach was (laughs) very not petite. So getting close to that. Now we, we get to that point. You start to feel, oh, my goodness, I am in a lot of discomfort. Talk about when you start to feel that discomfort to the day. You gave birth.
1: Well, I didn't want to admit it, but you would ask me every single day. So I'm like, oh, I'm fine. Everything's fine.
0: I'm fine. She I'm was fine. always saying I'm fine. Me mean, Scott would be like, yeah, she's not fine. She's not fine.
1: <laughs> and then you would say, well, what? what's really going on? Or how are you feeling? And so, I mean, I had to tell you, but it got to a point where I really had to slow down. And. That's not something I like to be on the go all the time, very busy, you know, running around the clinic, chasing after, well, chauffeuring five children around to all these sports. Like, I'm very active, but I needed to slow down. So that was at the point where it went from working all day. My OB is like, maybe you should go to like working a half day. And so like working all day for me at that point was like 6, 7 p.m., so I'm like, ah, maybe I could go home at five today. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> so just making myself slow down—that was tough for me. But I physically, like, I couldn't get up from my desk and walk to the back office to talk to a patient without, like, being completely out of breath. <laughs> like, that's so that's wild. crazy. I was just ginormous. But it just got <laughs> worse. Like. You know, I'm going to these weekly doctor's appointments, we're getting closer, and then the night where I was like, I'm, like, the recliner didn't work, the hard floor didn't work, like, nothing. I was literally, I had my elbows on the arm of the couch, and I was, like, up on my knees, and I was, like, rocking back and forth on the love seat, like, just trying to get the pressure off my back, and... I tried to go lay in bed. We're texting all night because you're like, if you're going to be up all night, you're going to text me and, you know, wait, if I'm sleeping, it'll wake me up. So you were texting and then I got up and went to work that morning and I'm like, I'm I'm fine. Like (laughs) just another day. Like we're almost there. I can do this. And I walk up the stairs. There's like, I don't know, eight to 10 steps to like get into the building. And I stop at the back wall and I'm like holding onto the wall because I had this pain on like the right side of my stomach. And I was like, yeah, this isn't like it took my breath away. I was like, it's not normal. Made it to my desk. I'm like, I, I got this. I'm just, you know, I'll just sit more today. I won't run around. And a patient needed me or maybe it was Dr. K. Someone called for me in the back office and I get up and in like I went to go stand up and instantly sat back down. I was like, something's not right. Like. I thought my appendix, honestly, like had ruptured or my appendix was about to rupture because it was just this one right sided pain and it, it was so bad. Hold up. So, one of my coworkers wheels me out, and this is a busy IVF morning. Like, the waiting room is at standing room only at this point. And they wheel me out in my computer chair through the waiting room, through the front door, and put me in a coworker's car. And they drove me across the street from- to the hospital. I get checked in and they're like, oh, yeah, it could be your appendix. They start doing all the testing and they're like, you know, they put those straps on and monitors, you know, contractions, but really the baby's heartbeats too. And they're like, you're contracting every two minutes.
2: For the record, you had never had contractions before this pregnancy, right? So you had never experienced, right? Okay.
1: It was plan C sections. Like it was, so I didn't didn't know. But apparently I had (laughs) been in labor for like a day. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's interesting because you didn't really experience those kind of contractions before, so that's why you're like, "What the bleep is this?" Even after having three kids, you know.
2: And the other funny thing is that her the fertility office is right across the street from the hospital where she was giving birth, so she was driven <laughs> over
0: from. Like, she, she was wheeled and then driven.
2: She couldn't even walk to get over to the across the street to the hospital.
0: I remember your coworker <clears throat> talking to your coworker that morning, and she was like, "Oh, you know, she's." you know, she's here. And I remember you saying, I'm keeping these babies inside. They're, <laughs> they're not coming out. There's whatever. And then I remember talking to you later that afternoon and oh god, you were like, oh, I think I'm fine. I was like, let me talk to the nurse. You remember that? I asked, I was like, can I talk to the nurse? And I said to the nurse, I was like, so my husband and I are planning a baby moon. We leave tomorrow. <laughs> we're like, whatever. And she was like, you're not going on a baby moon. Like, these, <laughs> these kids are coming tonight. And Honestly, I, like,
1: I don't even remember that part.
0: That was the first time where I spoke to you and you were on the phone. And, you know, you always kind of found a way to do your dry humor. Like, you, use, you have very dry humor. So there's always, like, but there was no dry humor. You were just kind of, like, I think you were more, I, I could be wrong. I think you were kind of, it sounded like you were a little, like, pissed that you couldn't <laughs> hold them, like, the long, the full term. You know, and it was, like, really serious. And then the the nurse was like, nope. And then I remember, like, maybe an hour later, you were just like, these babies are coming. And then I was like, Scott, (laughs) let's go. Originally, we had a planned C-section. We were supposed to be there. We were going to be in the room with you while you had the babies. I remember us getting to the hospital. And after being stopped by the security, I think, to want to take a picture with me because I'm like, I "I don't want to take no photos. I'm trying to see my kids for the first time. I remember walking upstairs, and we made a point to see you before yeah. we went to see the boys because we wanted, we didn't want you to feel like any other way than supported and loved and thanked and whatever that was. But I remember walking into your room. I believe your mom was in there, and um, you were just, you just seemed so peaceful. How was, how was it not being able to hold or see the boys like you had done in your? Your previous pregnancies, because, you know, they were all from your eggs.
1: It was definitely a different experience, but the entire day I had so many different emotions with processing the fact. I mean, you guys were supposed to be there and I was supposed to go full term. And there were so many things going through my head that day that Mm -hmm. just that you guys were finally there and like. 20, 30 feet from meeting your boys, like I was very much at peace and just glad that that chaos of a day was over. And then the fact that my mom got to, you know, record you guys going into the NICU and like ha- being able to so that I could still see it and be a part of it, because I think that was probably one of the things I was looking forward to the most throughout the journey was just getting to see your face when you saw the boys for the first time. And instead, my husband got to see that on FaceTime.
2: Yeah. But regardless, yeah.
1: <laughs> that video is very special to me so that I, yeah. you know, got to feel I knew going into this. These were not my babies. So did I bond with them? Yes. Do I love them? Yes. But it's not like a motherly sense, sort of say, like I have that special bond and I love them dearly, but it wasn't hard. Like I wasn't expecting them to come out and come straight to me. Like I knew that they were going to come out and be in your arms to the NICU. Mm -hmm.
0: And shout out to Michael for not even wanting to be in a room when they were born to then to then filming it filming. live on Facetime. Yeah. Her husband is a trooper. Thank you, Michael. You were just such a big part of the journey that number one we weren't there, and number two you weren't able to see us see them for the first time in in person live, and then you weren't able to hold them. I didn't know how you know that would affect you, but I think you did a pretty good job of emotionally preparing yourself. For that, whereas I think a lot of women out there who may want to be a surrogate maybe didn't know that and were like, wow, like, I won't even be able to hold the babies first because, you know, I went through this entire journey. And that's what we're going to talk about on the next episode. We're actually going to talk about the journey of becoming a surrogate, the ins and outs, the positives. The negatives, because there probably are some, and how Ashley can help you if you are interested or if you just kind of want to know more. Do you have any final words from I this, just, I, Mrs. Chastain? I was I did not know that I would be a part of this
2: today. I mean, Sean came to me and said, hey, I'm going to interview Ashley. Can you be a part of the interview? And I'm like, of course. I love Ashley. I I've, This was a treat to be able to kind of relive this through your eyes because, you know, we have told our story for years, Four years now. And it's so fun to hear your side because. Well, first and foremost I was I just thought this I'm like we would be friends if this like if if we had didn't have this whole baby experience I would love to be Ashley's friend like she <laughs> is my kind of people she's direct she's honest she's fun she's funny she's sassy, funny, she sassy. <laughs> she's everything that I love to have in a friend and I was just thinking I'm like if even if we didn't meet through this whole stuff if we would have met her somewhere we, we would have still been completely friends completely still be friends cause uh, she and Michael and her kids are wonderful so um, I guess I just want to say thank you I mean we say thank you all the time to you maybe in our heads but maybe not as much via text but this was a fun treat so thank you for being a part of it and sharing your side because it was fun to hear
0: yeah and to close this out um, like I said Ashley's going to be on the next episode and some questions about surrogacy but I also wanted to say that talking about her kids and her family it was a really special that when our boys got out of the hospital. Her kids were able yeah. to come and we, have, we took some pictures and our kids were able to meet Silas and Sandra for the first time to kind of, you know, solidify the family unit. And even though, like she said, they're not her kids and, you know, there's still a special bond that if you have the kind of surrogacy journey that we had with Ashley, there's still a really special bond that literally cannot be broken. And it's, I think, for those of us out there who are, are able to experience that or if you are wanting to be a surrogate and you will experience that. It's really, really special. So hopefully this helped answer a lot of your questions or if you're interested or if you just, maybe you were on the fence about wanting to have a surrogate because I know there are a lot of women out there who have, you know, problems having kids or trouble having kids and I know there are a lot of men out there who have trouble having kids and so for us this is you know the only option because we're gay (laughs) same sex (laughs) but at the same time it was while it was really tough for us for the first five years that that last year going into it was really amazing and incredible and it just you know it was the one moment in my life where I gave up I was just like I'm not doing this anymore and even I needed a motivator to help me to continue to push forward so that's why I always say dig deeper and trust and believe not that everyone's going to have a successful pregnancy because I think making that promise to anybody is just irresponsible but you know only you know at what depths you want to go to, you know, build your family. So anyway, continue to trust and believe in who you are and stay tuned for the next episode with Ashley. She's going to take us on how to become a surrogate.